Listen to the 48 Hours podcast for shocking murder cases and compelling real-life dramas from one of television's most watched true crime shows. Go behind the scenes of each episode with award-winning CBS News correspondents and producers in Postmortem, a weekly deep dive. Listen to 48 Hours wherever you get your podcasts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic today, Tim, because autumn is in the air. The leaves are changing. You can smell that spooky season yes. coming in. And we are launching our spooky season here on Crawl Space with the upcoming episode, which I'm super excited about. I hope everyone listening is as excited as I am. But Tim, this is your baby. How are you feeling about this? <laughs> I'm feeling great. I'm really excited that it's October and uh, we can finally sort of present this as part of um, our spooky season, which we're kind of doing up this year over here at Crawl Space. Yeah, this episode is something that I've been wanting to produce for a while and not really knowing how to do it. And then kind of finding this angle that has to do with the witch of Wellfleet. And I thought that was a great entry point to this. And really, it's an exploration of the folklore surrounding this witch story and also a presentation of what we believe to be true about these stories. So it's a lot of fun. Really is a lot of fun. And anybody who's a fan of history will listen to this. Hopefully they'll look into it on their own after they listen and they'll get even more details. But you present a great story here. It's local to us. It's New England folklore at its best. All right. Let us know what you think on social media. Follow us at CrawlspacePod or Crawlspace Podcast. And we just want to remind our listeners, those of you out there who want to support our nonprofit, Private Investigations for the Missing, we are hosting our first 5K run slash walk for the missing. This is going to be on Sunday, October 8th at 11 a.m. in Reading, Massachusetts. But you can also run virtually. Go to piftm.org slash run and you can register for either the in-person or the virtual run. Either way, you're going to witness Tim and myself both handily beating John Lorden's time. He's going to be running from the comfort of his castle on a treadmill while we're out there in the elements braving everything that comes our way during this 5k so even in the face of that we will handily beat his time i think that's the tiebreaker too if we tie obviously the tie goes to whoever is in person well it has to i mean we're out there our feet are hitting the <laughs> pavement our feet are hitting the mud 
rain or shine, we'll be out there. So go to piftm.org slash run and register today. We are filling up and we will have raffle prizes, T-shirts, and who knows, maybe an overall prize for best time, which John Lorden will not win. We're going to take a quick break in a moment to play all of our ads for the episode. If you want to hear Crawl Space with no ads, there's something called Crawl Space Premium, and it's now available on Apple Podcasts. But don't worry, if you're not an Apple user, you can subscribe to Crawl Space Premium at crawlspace.supportingcast.fm. You get ad-free episodes, you get early releases, and you get our weekly bonus show. And Lance, it's all bundled with Missing and Dark Valley to make this wonderful trifecta. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. Canada, a vast, idyllic land filled with beavers, loons, lumberjacks, and polite, friendly folks. We have those things for sure, but there's a darker side to the Great White North, full of mystery, crime, the paranormal, and dark history. Join me, Mike Brown, and co-host Matthew Stockton every Monday for the Dark Poutine Podcast as we tell dark stories from north of the 49th parallel with the Ottawa game covering more international cases. You can listen to Dark Poutine for free wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hi, listeners. I'm Vanessa Richardson, host of the podcast Serial Killers. Like many of you, I'm fascinated by the darker side of humanity. What causes someone to develop such deadly desires and why they decide to act on them? For the past six years, I've been able to explore these curiosities weekly, tapping into the mental states of the world's most notorious killers, examining their backgrounds and habits, searching for answers. If you haven't had a chance to check out our show, there's truly no better time to dive in. With hundreds of episodes to binge and new ones released weekly, Serial Killers is the perfect podcast for any avid true crime fan. Follow Serial Killers on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Kickoff for Super Bowl 34. The Titans-Rams 2000 Super Bowl, an instant classic. Hours after the game, two men were stabbed in the street. Accused of being in the middle, the greatest linebacker in NFL history. Ray Lewis and two friends are charged with murder. The nation's eyes were glued to their televisions. The trial concluded and the verdicts came back. Not guilty. What you can learn from all this is that big cases make for big mistakes. Look what happened in O.J. Simpson. And look what happened in Ray Lewis. Lewis went on to have a Hall of Fame career. But questions around that night in Atlanta still remain. So what do you think they're hiding? They know what happened. They know exactly what happened. After 20 years, it's time to get to the bottom line truth. From Tenderfoot TV, I'm Tim Livingston, and this is The Raven. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For ad-free listening and early access, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus on tenderfootplus.com. There's a story here in Massachusetts about a witch who haunts the shores of Cape Cod. They say she stalks the cliffs above Wellfleet in the area known as the Devil's Pasture. 
She's been known to conjure violent storms in the hopes of capsizing ships. But with every good ghost story, there's a reason behind the hauntings, and sometimes a mystery to go along with it. Legend has it that this ghost of a witch is that of a beautiful young woman named Maria. One idyllic day, Maria was singing under an apple tree when a handsome European sailor saw her in the distance, surrounded by a mist of white blossoms. The young sailor heard Maria's singing voice and was drawn to her as if she were a sea siren. He was taken by her beauty and they fell in love at first sight. He described Maria as a yellow-haired girl with eyes like the sea. Maria was so excited about her new love that she rushed home to tell her family. But they were a family of farmers who made their living off the land by growing and selling crops. And this young foreigner was penniless, looking for work, and did not aim to work on a farm. Maria's family simply thought he wasn't good enough for her. And crushed by her family's disapproval, the young lovers secretly carried out a brief but passionate and forbidden affair. The sailor knew, though, if he ever wanted acceptance from Maria's family, he would need to show them he could support her. Around town, he was hearing whispers of a lost treasure off the coast of Florida. The optimistic sailor borrowed money from a local goldsmith, bought a small ship, and hired a crew. During a teary goodbye, he told his love Maria that he would be back with riches and they'd build their perfect life together. He and his crew left for Florida. But when he left, Maria wasn't exactly alone. She was carrying his child. And because she had concealed her pregnancy, her family was unaware of the child. Some sources claim that when Maria would come and go, she'd leave the baby in a barn alone. But she couldn't keep the secret forever. Her family found out, and they cast her away. And tragically, the baby would soon be found dead. Some storytellers claim Maria's baby choked on a straw in the barn. Some say she killed the child herself. But when it was learned by the townspeople that Maria's baby was dead, she was picked up by police and thrown into the local jail for pregnancy out of wedlock and neglect. And that's when something very strange happened. That's when Maria went missing from the jail. Some say she used witchcraft to escape, and some say she was let out by a guard who took pity on her. This is when she was branded a witch, and anyone who crossed her path feared her, and Maria was banished to a lonely hut near the surf. Now in solitary, she began to wonder what happened to the sailor she loved. She grew angry and bitter about him causing her to be disowned by her family and shunned by her community. The villagers would see her screaming at the ocean waiting for her true love to return. Some say she was so angry and desperate for vengeance that she sold her soul to the devil. And as for the sailor, he struck out in finding any treasure down south. But instead of returning to Maria a failure, he changed his plans and decided to go on the account. And for less than a year, this sailor claimed at least 54 ships and became the most profitable pirate during the golden age of piracy. But now, this sailor, aware that he was a wanted man, decided to quit his new profession and head back to Cape Cod to be with his love Maria. Of course, he had no idea about his child, the child's death, and what had become of Maria and Maria had no idea that the sailor still loved her and intended to return to her. As the legend goes, Maria was warned about her love's impending return, and as the sailor and his crew approached Cape Cod on one cold spring night, 
the Witch of Wellfleet conjured up a wicked storm off the coast of Marconi Beach. But the sailor and his crew could not handle the violent nor'easter, and they were only 500 feet from the shore when their ship slammed into a sandbar, forcefully breaking it apart. Thrown suddenly into the freezing Atlantic was four tons of silver and gold, and the lives of 146 men were instantly lost in a dark and frigid nightmare. And through the lightning and pouring rain, the Witch of Wellfleet was seen, shrieking her thanks to the devil. It's said that the ghost of Maria still haunts the Barnstable Jail, which she was said to have escaped from. And in fact, the survivors of that ship were brought to this same jail, now known as a notable haunted location in Barnstable, Massachusetts. On rainy nights, the ghost of Maria Hallett still haunts the woods of Truro near Marconi Beach. And there's even another ghost story that intersects with the legend of Maria, the Witch of Wellfleet. In the Truro Woods, there's a 70-foot-tall stone tower called the Jenny Lind Tower. Jenny Lind was born in Sweden in 1820 and had the voice of an angel. Her soprano opera voice was so impressive that she quickly became famous the world over. So famous that P.T. Barnum made Jenny an offer she couldn't refuse. He gave her almost $200,000 up front and set up a tour of America, which included 150 shows. But in October of 1850 in Boston, Massachusetts, is where this tower's ghastly legend begins. Jenny performed at the Fitchburg Railroad Depot in Boston, and as legend has it, a crowd of unhappy concertgoers gathered outside because the show was sold out. This group was reportedly so unhappy that they wouldn't get to hear Jenny sing that they nearly started a riot outside. And when Jenny heard about the danger in the crowd, she stepped outside and climbed one of the building's towers to sing to the crowd with her beautiful voice. Her song was able to calm the crowd, and she helped avert this riot. Years later, a historian decided to move the Jenny Lynn Tower over to Cape Cod, where it still stands today. And today, residents of the Cape report that when the Witch of Wellfleet is stalking the shores, the spirit of Jenny Lind still climbs to the top of the tower to sing and cast the witch away. It's been said that residents of Cape Cod have found pieces of the pirate treasure in the sand. And believe it or not, there's a lot of truth in these stories. The ship that crashed was real. The sailor was actually one of the most known and well-documented pirates of his time. Was Maria really a witch who conjured the storm? Or is it more likely she was hoping he returned safely? Either way, the Witta Galley pirate ship capsized off the coast of Marconi Beach on April 26, 1717, during a confirmed violent nor'easter. And the pirate captain, Sam Bellamy, Maria's sailor, was never found. There were nine pirate survivors that night, though. The two survivors of the Witta were the ship's pilot, 16-year-old John Julian, and carpenter Thomas Davis. They made it to the beach. Sam's crew had a second, smaller ship, which was called the Mary Ann, and all seven pirates from that ship survived the wreck. However, all nine pirates were captured quickly after the wrecks. Seven of the pirates were arrested while having a drink in the Eastham Tavern. The seven were sent to Boston to be tried for piracy and robbery. Six were found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging. Months after the shipwrecks, John Brown of Jamaica, Thomas Baker and Hendrik Kintor of the Netherlands, Peter Cornelius Hoof of Sweden, John Sean of France, and Simon Vandervorst of New York were rowed across Boston Harbor to Charlestown, where gallows had been erected. 
Cotton Mather, a local clergyman whose name might sound familiar to folks who read about the Salem Witch Trials, claims that all six doomed men confessed and repented before their eventual hangings. Carpenters Thomas South and Thomas Davis were acquitted of piracy, claiming Sam Bellamy forced them to choose between a life of piracy or death. And 16-year-old John Julian, a Mosquito native, was not tried, but instead was sold into slavery to John Quincy Adams' great-grandfather until he was eventually hanged in 1733. There's a part of the legend that includes Maria searching for Sam on the beach after about a hundred drowned pirates washed ashore. She never found him. And the story of Maria Hallett fades away right there. But what comes to life is the actual truth of these stories. Maria Hallett was born Mahatable Brown and extensive historical research was done by Kenneth J. Kinkor and Dr. James Cunningham, who tracked down the family history of this real-world woman who is better known as a witch today. The true story is familiar, but it's not an exact match for the legend. Apparently, Mehedable Brown married a tavern owner named John Hallett, thus becoming known as Goody Hallett. And Sam Bellamy was born in Devon, England in 1689, where his mother died shortly after his birth. Sam was forced to work at a young age, and he left home as a youngster, dead set to work his life on the sea. And he made it to Cape Cod sometime in the early 1700s. It's a little unclear, but it appears that Mehedable and Sam had an affair which resulted in her pregnancy. Sam did insist on traveling to Florida to find the treasure of the 1715 Spanish fleet after a hurricane caused the wrecks of 11 or 12 ships that were hoping to carry large amounts of gold and silver back to Spain. So Sam's motivation for becoming a pirate is seemingly realistic. And what happened to Goody after he left is not an exact match to the legend. I mentioned the Salem Witch Trials a bit earlier, and it occurred only 30 years previous, and it still had an effect on the area. In fact, once it was learned that Mehedable was pregnant out of wedlock, she was thrown into the Barnstable Jail, where it was said her father visited her, hidden in a black cloak. And it was him who helped her escape. But there were witness sightings of this black cloaked being and when word got out that Mehitable was no longer in the jail, the townspeople began believing she used witchcraft to escape. And she was also apparently seen miles away by villagers in an area known as Lucifer Land. Not realizing that she could have been transported there by her father's horse and buggy, more local rumors started to circulate that Goody Hallett was consorting with the devil himself. Not much is known about Mehitable's life after the Witta's shipwreck but it appears she died in Barnstable at the age of 61. She was likely never reunited with Sam, but tragically, they were closer to each other than they even knew on the night of that nor'easter in April of 1717. Some reports have Sam surviving the shipwreck and disappearing with Maria to the Caribbean, but that one rings like more folklore to me. In 1984, an explorer from Cape Cod named Barry Clifford actually located the sunken Witta pirate ship off the coast of Marconi Beach. Parts have been excavated and much has been learned about the Witta pirates, Sam Bellamy, and how these men lived. Artifacts have been brought to the surface and even displayed at the impressive Witta Pirate Museum in West Yarmouth, Massachusetts. I am proud to say I visited this museum with my family last summer and was completely blown away and inspired by the history and stories of Maria and these pirates. Folklore is usually based on some truth, and we find that here in the story of the Witch of Wellfleet and the Missing Pirates. And much like many eventual pirate ships, the Witta Galley itself was built as a slave ship in 1715, and it was named after the African slave port of Ouida. 
It was 300 tons, 110 feet long, and could travel speeds up to 13 knots. It was captured by pirate Sam Bellamy and his crew in the Bahamas after a three-day chase. It had completed one voyage from England to Africa to the New World, where it transported 500 slaves in unimaginable conditions. It was on its second trip in February of 1717 when it was captured by Bellamy. If you remain unconvinced that a broke-down sailor ever smooth-talked his way into a tavern owner and married woman's heart, let me tell you the story of young John King. John King was around nine years old when he joined Captain Bellamy's crew. Some experts consider him the youngest pirate on record, and his pirate story begins in Antigua on November 30th, 1716, when the ship he and his mother were on, the Bonetta, was attacked by Bellamy and held for 15 days. The boy? He loved it. He begged his mother to let him go with the pirates. Of course she refused, but he threatened to kill himself, or her, if she didn't let him go. And go he went. When the widow was discovered by Clifford and his team over 200 years later, they actually found a small fibula, or lower leg bone, a French woven silk stocking, and a small shoe only two inches in width at its widest point. Experts from the Smithsonian agreed that it belonged to a child aged 8 to 11, John King. According to a Forbes magazine article from 2008, Sam Bellamy was the wealthiest pirate of all time, and he only pirated for less than a year during the golden age of piracy. At one point, he was even part of a flotilla with Edward Teach, who went on to become better known as Blackbeard. Sam Bellamy is definitely not as well known as Blackbeard, but he gave a very famous speech that is remembered in the famous text, A General History of the Pirates, written under the pseudonym Captain Charles Johnson. The book captures a moment after the Witta had overtaken a sloop commanded by Captain Beer. Apparently, Sam wanted to let the captain keep his ship, but his crew had just voted to burn it, and Beer declined an invitation to join the pirates. Bellamy is attributed with making this now famous speech. I'm sorry they won't let you have your sloop again, for I scorn to do anyone a mischief when it is not to my advantage. Damn the sloop, we must sink her. And she might be of use to you, though you are a sneaking puppy, and so are all those who will submit to be governed by laws which rich men have made for their own security, for the cowardly whelps have not the courage otherwise to defend what they get by knavery, but damn ye altogether. Damn them for a pack of crafty rascals, and you who serve them for a parcel of hen-hearted numbskulls. They vilify us, the scoundrels do when there is only this difference. They rob the poor under the cover of law, and we plunder the rich under the protection of our own courage. Had you not better make one of us than sneak after these villains for employment? Beer replied that his conscience would not let him break the law, and Bellamy continued. You are a devilish conscience, rascal. I am a free prince, and I have as much authority to make war on the whole world as he who has a hundred sail of ships at sea and an army of a hundred thousand men in the field. And this my conscience tells me. But there is no arguing with such sniveling puppies who allow superiors to kick them about deck at pleasure. Sam Bellamy died a legend, and Maria Goody Hallett is better known as a witch. I don't know what that says about us. Maybe we like glorifying criminals and pirates. Maybe we like stories of witches. And before we go, I leave you with this. If Maria's ghost story is all fiction, why aren't there reports of ghost Sam Bellamy?
So the next time you hear about a storm hitting Cape Cod, let's hope the Witch of Wellfleet leaves the ships alone. <laughs>